listening to The New Paris. At the end of 2019, the pension reform strikes dealt a nasty blow to businesses in Paris. I've reported a story for Fortune magazine about the economic impact for a handful of food and wine establishments, including those run by Josh Fontaine. He is the co-owner of Quixotic Projects, the group that created Candelaria among the world's top cocktail bars, Le Marie Celeste's Wine Bar, Hero, and Les Grands Verts. He expressed just how devastating the strikes were to business at a time of year that usually represents a sizable source of annual revenue. I felt for him then, and I feel for him even more so now. He joins me on the show to talk about how he's doing, what he's drinking at home, and what he believes awaits the business when confinement lifts. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Where are you right now? I am currently at Marie Celeste, preparing to open our cab this week for selling for people in the neighborhood and to go. And then we're selling some online as well Mm -hmm. uh, to bring in some money and hopefully pay some outstanding bills that we haven't been able to pay. And is that because of like a holdover from the strikes or is that just more recent? No, we're pretty much recovered from the strikes. But then as uh, as far as I know, most of my colleagues have done, you know, once we got shut down, we basically froze all, you know, money going out of the business to, to keep our, our cash flow in the place that we needed to be because we did need to front salaries. And we also haven't come to terms yet with our landlords for rent and what's going to happen for that for the next few months. So we need to keep as much cash on hand as possible. Unfortunately for our suppliers, that means most of them have a couple bills that are outstanding that uh, I'd like to pay for them. And also for when we reopen, not to have a big backlog and have that weighing on the business. Do you anticipate uh, your landlords giving some sort of uh, rent forgiveness? Is that something that you think is possible in France? Would they do that? Yeah. I mean, we, our landlords are all like individuals, not like big corporations or anything. So they've been all pretty understanding up until this point. And, you know, we haven't paid them the rent that we owe them. And our hero landlord is actually pretty proactive saying that he's going to give us, uh, you know, basically all the time that we're forced to be closed by the government. So from March, whatever, 15th or 16th through whenever we're allowed to reopen, they're going to wave. So that was pretty nice without having to go and hands and knees and be begging for, you know, some kind of rent relief right? for the rest of the venues. And is it true, because this is one of the things that I was reading, that unlike normal times when people are going to go on unemployment, right now they're asking uh, companies to front the partial unemployment money and then the government reimburses you? Yeah. So... We were pretty, we jumped on that as fast as possible with our accountants. So we've actually been reimbursed for the second half of March already. But yeah, every month, I mean, from now, I guess we're going to have to, you know, you have to front whatever 20,000 euros and then wait for it to come back. So you, you know, not every business is in the position where they have tens of thousands of euros to be able to front and then wait two weeks, you know, for it to come back in. But at the same time, there's not really any other bills that are, Mm. you at this point besides mm-hmm. TVA and some other taxes that they're not waiving. So as long as you started out, I guess, in a decent position, it should be able to continue unless your landlord is forcing you to pay rent 
Right. So how are you feeling right now? I mean, just like pure honesty, not related necessarily even just to the business, but just you Mm -hmm. as a guy who lives in Paris, who works in Paris and has had, like a lot of people, a tough year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to stay optimistic. You know, I'm doing the same as everybody else doing, pretty much staying at home, cooking, vacuuming. (laughs) Um, but I'm lucky enough to have a balcony, which is nice. So you can get some sun every morning and can read out there a little bit. But I mean, yeah, the thing that's preoccupying me the most is the work situation because it's, it's just the uncertainty where, you know, if you're just uh, an employee somewhere, at least, you know, the government, you know, the government has come in and said, okay, we're going to guarantee 84% of your salary. So in general, I don't think people are going to go homeless or hungry if they had a job and then they're only paying, they're getting paid 84% of their salary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, it's the uncertainty that's unnerving when uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay people like suppliers. I don't know when we're going to be able to reopen. When we reopen, how is it going to be? You know, so what? All tourism for the rest of the year, I would right. guess, you know. of your business. So what have, I mean, maybe they haven't communicated anything, but what has the government or whoever's in charge of sort of like small businesses and um, rolling out the guidance in terms of how the confinement or the deconfinement will go? What have you heard, if anything? Not much, especially in restaurant and bar situations. You know, the last time the president spoke, he's like, you know, It's going to go slowly from May 11th. It's not going to be everything's reopened and we're all back to normal. Mm. You know, bars and restaurants are definitely not going to be the first places uh, that are going to be open. And also the economics of a bar or restaurant work, you know, when you're full. But if they say you can only let 10 people in at a time, but we have to like take everybody back on payroll, then it doesn't work. I can't pay everybody their full, their full salary and then only have 10 or 20 people in the restaurant at the time, you know, it needs to be a certain, you need to have a certain volume. So I know us and a bunch of other people were nervous on how it's going to come back. And also, you know, no one really wants to hang out in a bar if everyone has to wear a mask and, you know, the servers are wearing gloves and, you know, it's like a weird vibe. That's otherwise, you know, people just get food to go and sit on the canal or go to the park. I mean, that's what I would do. Like the whole point is conviviality and, you know, friendship and good times and music and everything, not a sterile cold environment. So that's the big question mark. Yeah. That's what we're nervous about is not only reopening, but how is it going to be at the reopening and will the government aid continue, you know, if they don't let us function as we were before, will the government aid follow us uh, until we can Surely they must know, though, the economics of a business, like a restaurant, or they, they at least should be yeah, investigating I mean, that. Uh, you know, like unions and stuff and representatives have been talking to the government a little bit, as far as I know. So hopefully that's being communicated. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of different industries and the government can't be an expert on all of them. No. Obviously, you know, the the restaurant and tourist and hotel industry is very big in France. So I think it might get a little bit more FaceTime with the government and be able Mm -hmm. to 
push their priorities because obviously, you know, France is one of the most touristic countries in the world and it's a huge part of the economy. And I think they know that. So this shift toward selling bottles um, and operating sort of as a cav, was that something that, I mean, you took that first month to, to figure out, was that something you immediately thought of, of doing? Um, we didn't immediately think of doing it because when we first got shut down, we didn't really know how long it would be for, what the rules are, how much support we're going to get, how much support we're not going to get. And also, you know, it's not like an easy flip to start, wow. you know, changing a restaurant into a caviste. And obviously a lot of people are doing it. So it needs to be economically viable also to sell bottles much cheaper than you normally would and bring people in and everything. So it's been basically myself and my partners handling everything. Otherwise, you know, if we have to start taking people off the chômage partien to have them sell bottles and the economics of that doesn't work either. Right. So yeah, it was after a few weeks and after we see, okay, it's not gonna, we're not gonna be reopening anytime soon. Um, we tried it out last weekend. It worked pretty well. Mostly just people in the neighborhood coming by, but we're also like selling cases online and that's doing pretty well. And good shirts and merchandise and stuff like that of people that want to support. So the little bit of cash flow helps, you know, every little bit helps a lot. And we also reopened Hero for delivery. I did see that. Yeah. And, and is that like, how do you, because one of the big topics of conversation, especially in the US where delivery has been sort of like the only protective option for, for food businesses is the idea of protecting the cooking staff and protecting the delivery workers. I mean, how do you reconcile all those elements? Yeah, I mean, that's why we didn't open right away because we actually tried to stay open for the first couple of days after we were forced to shut down for delivery only. But then um, the cook started saying they're uncomfortable on, you know, because in the first like weeks, no one really knew what was going on, how contagious this thing is, what the guidelines are. So we didn't force people to get out of their house. They're like, okay, we're going to shut it down for the moment and see how it goes. And that, you know, in the last week or two, people are now pretty bored sitting at home. Everybody sees like, you know, it's not like the end of the world. You know, it's difficult and hard, but it's not the end of the world. So they're ready to go outside a little bit more. So we're able to get a few volunteers to come off the chômage and come in and work a few hours hmm. uh, every night. So we're not open for lunch. We're just doing dinner at the moment because, again, it's an economics thing where normally delivery is just kind of icing on the cake, but you have your regular business. But when it's 100% of your business and delivery and Uber are taking 25 or 30% of your d'affaires, plus you have to pay people, plus you have to pay for your food and everything else, um, your break even come becomes a lot higher than it normally would be. So that was going to be my next question. I was going to ask if those platforms, those delivery platforms had maintained the same commission that they always take, but I guess the answer is they, they are. Yeah, definitely. So, I so mean, it's a start. In a hard place. Like some, some friends are trying to do delivery, like on their own terms and be like, okay, on Monday, like, uh, you have to email us by Wednesday. Here's the menu for Friday. So yeah. an email and we'll do this and then we'll deliver by bike, which I think is, you know, it's the ideal way, definitely. But I feel like most people's behavior is conditioned to, you know, when they don't want to cook, they just open Uber Eats or Deliveroo and they scroll through and see what, what other, whatever things available to them. Right. So to plan that far in advance is 
uh, I think it's difficult. So we've just kind of stayed on the, the classic route, despite the fact that economically it's not the best option. Right. So Les Grands Verts, for those who don't know, is the restaurant inside the Palais de Tokyo. What is that like? Because are the dynamics of that different since you're part of a cultural institution? Uh, not really, because our, our actually there, our rent is based on our sales. So we have no sales. So, you know, uh, mm. charges there. But, you know, we'll see that might be a whole different kind of reopening situation compared to the other businesses because we're in the museum and maybe museums of a certain size are not going to be able to open or they're not going to let like half capacity or who knows. So we have absolutely no idea what that's going to look like when it, when it reopens. You have connections, obviously, uh, with the U.S. food and, and wine industry, and you have friends there. Are you feeling, I mean, to some extent relieved that you've been doing business in France and that there are some protections? Or, like, what, what are you feeling when you're watching what's happening to sort of your, your colleagues and some of your friends in the business elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I think the U.S. ended up stepping up a little bit more than it looked like they would at the beginning. But they had like, you know, this big fund to help out uh, small businesses and small restaurants. And then a lot of that ended up going to chains. But yeah, I mean, we have, you know, we work uh, with Ace Hotel on a bar in New Orleans. And I know a lot of people there are nervous for their jobs and they've had to lay off a bunch of people. But it's basically just like a clock that's ticking down and... You know, once everybody's cash runs out, then they end up laying off or, or firing more people. So it always starts at the lower rungs and moves up. So most of like the people at the management level, I think, are good so far. But uh, they also have a ton of job insecurity. And I can understand that, too, because, if, you know, the business has no way of, of getting aid from the government or any right. kind of relief. And there's no way you can just make money out of print money out of thin air. So definitely happy that the government was pretty proactive, even though like everywhere it was a little bit of a mess trying to figure out what the right information is and how you're going to get reimbursed and who you ask and how long it takes and all this other stuff. And some of those details are still uh, not worked out, but in general, it's not German efficiency, but it's been <laughs> pretty good. Because the other thing I was thinking is in the U.S. now, some of the, the food stories I've seen written have been particularly heartbreaking because they talk about a future that's homogenous in terms of a dining landscape, you know? Yeah. And yeah, do you... Saying, uh, you know, whatever, TGI Fridays and not uh, 30 different restaurants. Yeah. So do you think the same could happen here or are we really just going to see sort of the the very fragile or, you know, the newer businesses that didn't have time to build up a following and maybe a bigger cash flow that that will happen here as well? Well, because of the size of the intervention and the fact that it was basically available to everybody, uh, knock on wood, we'll see. We still haven't gotten our like um, guaranteed uh, loans yet hmm. or on those yet. So waiting to hear back uh, this week. But it basically all depends on on that. And if you have no history, it might be hard to convince your banker to to give you one of these loans, even though they're guaranteed by the state. They just can't give them out um, willy-nilly. So I don't know. It's I mean, it's hard to say. It's, it's like 
yeah, you can have cash flow now, but when you reopen, you know, maybe restaurants that are normally 80% tourists or they're like, you know, these, we might see some weird things where like two or three Michelin star places that are not really like locals kind of hangouts have the toughest time Hmm. before you needed to reserve like two or three months in advance. But you know, if the global tourism economy is non-existent because of, you know, either people lost their jobs, so they're not going on vacation or that there's restrictions on movement, but you're forced to reopen. What are you going to do? Because, you know, you're not going to fill your three mission star restaurant with locals five, six nights a week. So those kind of things might be, I feel like a weird, uh, paradox where places that are super hard to get into might be not hard to get in, might have to change their formula a little bit. I would say like, basically the same as it was with the strikes, the safest places are the most local, like the corner cafe situation where this corner cafe is just basically serving the surrounding five blocks. And that's a hundred percent of their clientele or 95% of their clientele. Right. There's less risk. Yeah. It's not based on people traveling to you. They're not a destination. It's not like a date place. It's just like local people drinking beer and wine and buying cigarettes. So I think well, I those say, are Brazilian businesses. Well, I got to say, I mean, I every time I'm at Le Marie Celeste, which is actually quite a lot, given that it's not far from me, it felt like, you know, there were a lot of familiar faces. Yes, of course, there are people who, you know, because of, you know, your concept and 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 what you're offering, of course, that brings in people who are traveling. But do you not think that maybe there's an opportunity now for, you know, all the locals who maybe aren't comfortable taking public transport right away or won't be comfortable will stay local to try to, you know, support the neighborhood? Mm. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, with, the, with the transit strikes, you know, our business was down like 40%. Like doing only 60% of your business is... Like that's a difference of, you know, mm. low death or. Although, that was building. a much, that was a much different scenario. Uh, yeah. But if we're basing it on like hoping that people in your neighborhood are going to support you. Right. Okay. 60% of our business. Yes. is maybe people in our neighborhood that are supporting us, but the other 40%, which is the whole, that's the whole difference. The whole mm-hmm. thing that makes a difference. Uh, if those people are not coming to you, then, you know, Oh man, yours was the last bar I went to before the shutdown. Thank you. I was at Martin and then I went to you. You were not there, unfortunately, but wasn't there. No, no, but it was Mexico. Were you still in Mexico? Yeah. I was like, well, Oh, that's right. That's I remember now, but you know, I felt like, I could see people going and respecting a certain distance, but you're right. The one element that is remains a little bit unknown is about the the hygiene thing. Is like if people have to wear masks and gloves, is that going to like be such a buzzkill that you know people just stay home? If we have to do that and remove half of our bar stools, and and then everybody has to be a policeman, and well, I mean, right? We don't like it if we tell them like not to smoke or take their drink outside. If we're like you know stay two meters away from your girlfriend. 
you know, it's going to, it's going to cause some problems. So tell me, um, I mean, I obviously we're, we're connected on Instagram. So I see that you've been cooking a lot. Mm -hmm. I see that there have been some good drinks. What have you been drinking and what, like, what are some easy cocktails that people could make from home that you, that you find particularly comforting right Um, now? I haven't been making too many cocktails. I would say the only cocktail I've been making is an old fashioned, Hmm. but basically, you know, I have a pretty good wine stock in my, in my basement right now. So I've been, I have had the time to organize it finally, (laughs) organized it and, you know, put all the stuff that's ready to drink on top. So I still have a good 40 or 50 bottles of ready to drink wine in my basement. So I'm good for the next 40 or 50 days. (laughs) And what are you turning to? Like, are you, is there a particular region you're drawn to right now? Not particular. I mean, I have a good selection, I would say. So it's basically depending on what we're eating that night. Mm-hmm. We're eating is basically, you know, what's at terroir or roots or at the butcher shop and looks good. So eating asparagus or, you know, nice new salads that are coming up or whatever else is coming up in season. So basically drinking based on that, which mm-hmm. it's not always what I do. Sometimes, you know, I want, you want to drink something in particular. So you make something to go with wine, but definitely a lot of white and rosé is coming up. Rosé on the balcony. I mean, it's going to be rosé season and we're all going to be inside. I know. Well, hopefully we can start to go outside and, and, and drink rosé. Um, you showed me that you're sitting in front of a bunch of bottles. Yes. Um, what are some of the bottles and, and, producers that you're you're selling right now we're going to be selling basically everything that i had any quantity of at here or grand Vert. we brought all here and have now organized so we're going to do like a 10 euro table a 15 euro 20 and 25 euro table with just a bunch of random delicious things most of which are organic biodynamic low sulfites from france and mm-hmm. Croatia and Italy and what else? Yeah. Um, so what could yeah. people, people who follow you or, you know, love the, the, uh, your establishments, but live outside of France, how can they support you? Hmm. Well, we had ordered like Candelaria t-shirts a while yeah. ago. Came in like three days ago during the confinement. So we put those online and those are selling quite well. So we have a bunch of nice new t-shirts and sweatshirts of organic cotton and recycled polyester. So check out the web store, I guess. Okay, I'll link to that. Stuff. Corkscrew, oyster knife. Oh. Eggs, sweatshirts, t-shirts, all this nice stuff. Um, and then people around Paris can order all that, plus cases of wine that I've put together mm-hmm. uh, or along different themes. Um, that we're delivering in Paris and in the immediate suburbs. And then otherwise locals can walk by and come to the Cav Wednesday to Saturday. Well, good, because I can walk to you. That's still in the, like my permitted radius. Um, One last thing. What are some of the places you're excited to go to when this is all over? Mm. And by all over, I don't mean resolved. Yeah. In Paris or outside of the city? Yeah, let let's stay let's stay in Paris because who knows what the likelihood is of of us actually leaving town? What would I say is the first place I'm going to go? 
I mean, I guess all the usual, all the usual haunts around, you know, San Sebastian, Odusami, uh, Martin, Robert, Comado, uh, La Bivette. You really don't venture far anyway. <laughs> no, I don't really. <laughs> Just, you know, every time someone's in town, we do the same circuit. Verbole, I need mm-hmm. to. I haven't been there in a while. Probably, actually, a place where I love to go, probably my favorite place and the place I've been to the most, and which I don't have personal contact with the owners, would be Le Baratin. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to know actually how they're doing uh, and how they're holding up. Um, because they're definitely not in my, you know, immediate network of sending a text and being like, right. How are you doing? How are you paying these taxes? How are you paying employees kind of thing, which is, you know, with the rest of it. So are you part of a group like that? Are you, do you have like a network of, uh, food yeah, friends? friends, but then also I started like a couple of days after the confinement happened, I started a big WhatsApp group and I think we're like 50 or 60 or 70 now Amazing. of restaurant owners and and bar owners so just sharing any info people get on how to get certain help or you know how to fill out a certain form or things like that so Mm -hmm. that's been quite helpful definitely in the first week or two when everyone was trying to figure out what was what it was nice when people were sharing that information with each other and that everybody's you know coming together as a community to to help each other rather than you know compete or no one's competing for anything right now. <laughs> no one is competing for anything. That's true. Um, Josh, I really hope this lifts soon and that we can share a drink. And, you know, I'll be by hopefully to, to buy some wine from you. So maybe I'll get to see you from six feet away and wearing a mask or something. Um, but everyone can find, you know, the information to where they can support you in the show notes. So that, um, you know, hopefully we'll bring in some extra extra good uh, goodwill and good love. And if there's anything else we can do, let us know. We'll do. Thank you for joining and be well. Thank you. See you soon.